Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa ala rasulillah. What are the benefits to the belief in the last day? When you have iman and belief in the last day, you rush towards good deeds. It's a deterrent from doing evil. Obviously, even when you're alone, you try to stay away from evil because you are thinking about the akhirah. And it's a comfort to the believers because why? We believe in justice. We believe that ultimately, all the evil that takes place on earth, nobody's going to get away with it. And as for all of the good that people do and don't get rewarded for it, inshallah, their reward is waiting in the akhirah. So just, you know, it's often the case that people do good and they get punished for it. And people do evil and they get rewarded for it. That's how this dunya is sometimes. And subhanallah, that can feel so unjust and so wrong. And someone would say, who's in charge of this? This is a mess. Whoever's managing this is doing a poor job. If there is a God, why isn't he stopping all this? And the answer is that this is a very, very short life. And Allah Ta'ala is giving us rope, giving us free, to, uh, free will to exercise and prove what, is truly, what we're really made of, to show what's really on the inside. That way, once everything is wrapped up and finally judgment happens, nobody can claim, oh, that wasn't my true self. Yes, you ha- every day you had a new chance to be a better person, to be a different person. You kept on proving who you were time and time again. That's who you truly were. And I gave you the chances. I gave you opportunities to prove, to change, to improve, etc. But no, if you didn't want to, then that's fine. That's, that's who, you are who you are and you get exactly what you deserve. And the final point that I think is so beautiful is that belief in this judgment day and heaven and hell, what does it do for you? It gives you a purpose of life. Allah says, And we did not create the heavens and the earth and that which is between them aimlessly. Batil, as nonsense, for no reason. Rather, that is the assumption of those who disbelieve. Only kuffar, only a disbeliever would say, this life has no purpose. Uh, so woe to those who disbelieve, woe to them uh, from the fire. If your actions, if your actions aren't linked, linked excuse me, aren't linked to, your, uh, to, this, to any outcome, then who cares what happens? So for instance, if you do good deeds, but those good deeds could result in harm towards yourself or even harm towards others. You know, I try to do something nice for Brother Mu'ayyid, and something, it, 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 it turns out that it's bad for me, and it turns out that it's bad for him. Sometimes that happens. If the good intention has no, first of all, has no manifestation because nobody can see. Nobody can see what's in my heart. So you don't know what's, what's going on in terms of uh, my intention. Second of all, if it has bad results for me and bad results for him, then what's the point of even trying to do good? Maybe I should have done the opposite. Maybe I should have tried to do something evil. And maybe that evil would have worked out better for me and even better for him. Sometimes that's the case. Sometimes you try to do something bad and it actually has a good effect. Sometimes you try to do something uh, good and it has a bad effect. Subhanallah. So... If there is no correlation between one's actions or intentions and then uh, the outcome, then subhanAllah, what's, well, you know, the, the whole point of life is, is meaningless. However, the moment you realize that what Allah Ta'ala wants from us, what He wants from us is our sincerity, then you say, no, I'm going to do good, I'm going to be sincere in my devotion to good, and I'm going to act in a good way. What, what, whatever the outcome is, Allah Ta'ala controls. But I know that in the akhirah, I'm going to be judged according to my intentions, inshallah Ta'ala. So this is a very important point that, uh, you know, it gives you a purpose in life to try and a, and a reason to try to strive for good and not towards evil. Because lots of people, yeah, they're like, you know, I tried to be a good person and things didn't work out for me. I tried to be good and everything just fell apart. So you know what? What's the point? Everybody, uh, you know, I tried to do this, that and the other and nobody was appreciative. Everybody said it was a failure. So khalas, like it's, it, there's no positive outcome. Only when you say no, Allah Ta'ala knows what's in your heart. Don't think that any of that was in vain. Anything that you truly intended for the sake of Allah, ikhlas, Allah accepts it, inshaAllah ta'ala. That's very, very important. 
And the final uh, one for today, inshallah ta'ala, is the issue of qadr. Now this is interesting because the hadith now switches a little bit. I know that we're, it's taking long to get through this one big, it's a big hadith though, and it's, very, it's a foundational hadith, so it, it makes sense that we're going to take a long time. Inshallah, as time goes forward, we'll go faster through these hadith bi'idhnillah. But now we are on, وَتُؤْمِنُوا بِالْقَدْرِ خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ قَالَ صدقت. So Jibreel, after hearing these six points of Iman, he said, you, you tell the truth. What is fascinating about this hadith is what? That Jibreel salam says, and that you believe, so in the, first he said that you believe in Allah, the angels, the books, the messengers, judgment day, and then, and then he repeats the words, and that you believe, what took me new, and that, why would you re- repeat that? You're already, you're already listing what you believe. Why would he re-emphasize, and that you believe in Qadr? Does anybody have any theories? Emphasis, yes, okay, to show that it is important, to show that this is a very important issue, but there's another theory that I thought was very brilliant, that I, when I came across it, I was like, mashallah, it's deep. Anybody have a theory? Because the Prophet ﷺ knew that this was something that the Muslims would differ about. So, like you said, it's emphasis, right? But it's emphasis because, yes, obviously Muslims can, there, I mean, in history, you'll find people that disagree about anything and everything, fine. But something that truly there's a lot of disagreement about is not, uh, n- not as much as, let's say, uh, about Allah or the angels or the uh, books or messengers. You find that Qadr is kind of like at the top of the list, right? This is the thing that the people have the most issues with. So, وَتُؤْمِنُوا and that you believe, not just, I'm just going to put it at the end of the list. I'm going to re-emphasize that you have to believe in Qadr. So, the emphasis is because what? Because that's where the doubts come in and that's where the differences of opinion come in. So we're going to break this down into qadr, into four parts, inshallah. One, Allah has full knowledge of everything. Number two, not only does He have knowledge, but He wrote everything down in a record. Kitab mubin, in a clear record. So not just I have knowledge of everything that's happening in the universe, but I have knowledge of it, and I have logged it. This is the second thing, we're going to talk about that in a moment. Thirdly, that Allah Ta'ala is the creator of everything, so He's the designer of everything that exists. And that fourthly, after creating everything... Whatever it does, Allah, it does it only by Allah's permission. Whether you raise a finger, whether a leaf falls, whether not, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if a raindrop falls. Not only did Allah know it, not only did Allah write that raindrop down before it happened, not only did Allah create it, but then after its creation, let's say it had, it went through a water cycle, this, that, and the other, before it could fall, that falling motion, it was by Allah's permission. So everybody see, understands all four points? Khair inshallah, I hope that's clear. So let's go through the adillah, let's go through the evidences for all four points. Yes. Number one, as for Allah's full knowledge of everything, وَعِنْدَهُ مَفَاتِحُ الْغَيْبِ لَا يَعْلَمُ لَا يَعْلَمُهَا إِلَّا هُوْ وَيَعْلَمُ مَا فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ وَمَا تَسْقُتُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا رَطْبٍ that and it is he uh, and with him sorry with Allah are the keys of the unseen none knows them except him and he knows what is on the uh, land or in the sea not a leaf falls but he knows it subhanallah subhanallah how many forests are on earth in each of those forests how many trees in each of those trees how many branches in each of those branches how many leaves yeah. And then think about every single leaf, not a single leaf falls, except that Allah Ta'ala gives it permission to do so. Subhanallah al-Azim. 
yeah, so Allah, uh, not Ali falls. And no grain is, is there within the darknesses of the earth, and no moist or dry thing, but that it is written in a clear record. SubhanAllah. So number one, Allah has full knowledge of everything. Number two, Allah has recorded everything in a clear record. Alam ta'lam anna Allah ya'lamu ma fis sama'i wal ardi inna thalika fi kitabin. Do you not know that Allah knows what is in the heavens and the earth? Indeed, that is in a record. Allah says everything that's going, going to happen, everything that's happening on the earth, it's in a record. SubhanAllah. The Prophet says what? Katab Allahu maqadir al khala'iqi. قبل أن يخلق السماوات والأرض بخمسين ألف سنة قال وعرشه على الماء that Allah ordained the measure the the quality of the creation or the the proportions of everything of all the creation fifty thousand years before He created the heavens and the earth and His throne is upon water Sahih Muslim and then Allah has obviously created everything Allah خالق كل شيء Allah says in the Quran إن كل شيء خلقناه بقدر that Allah سبحانه وتعالى has created everything and that he created it with a predestination and with uh, 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 exact measurements. Everything that, uh, what, what does it mean, qadr? Qadr means like restrictions. You have strength, but it's not too little, not too much. You, you eat food, but I know how much you're going to eat, how much you're not going to eat. I know how much you're going to spend, not spend. I know how long you're going to live, how, uh, and when you're going to die, etc. Everything has a qadr. Everything has a particular uh, finite amount. Only Allah Ta'ala is boundless. Only Allah Ta'ala is infinite in all of his attributes. Everything else is bi qadr. Um, and Allah is Al-Qadir, the, uh, the one who decrees everything, the all-powerful. And of course, like I said, Allah is the one decreeing everything. Nothing happens except with His permission. Allah says, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَن يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ And you do not will except that Allah wills the Lord of the worlds. And uh, yes, even, as I mentioned, Surah uh, uh, Kahf, uh, even your ability to do good good or evil, that is permission from Allah Ta'ala. وَقُلِ الْحَقُ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرْ I let you do good and I let you do evil. You know, whoever, whoever wishes, let him do good or evil, but that is all by my permission. There's a beautiful, beautiful dua from the Prophet ﷺ. He used to supplicate at night. Listen to this beautiful dua. لَبَّيْكَ وَالسَّعَدَيْكَ وَالْخَيْرُ كُلُّهُ فِي يَدَيْكَ وَالشَّرُّ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكَ أَنَا بِكَ وَإِلَيْكَ تَبَارَكْتَ وَتَعَالَيْتَ أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ الله أكبر. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful dua in Sahih Muslim. That the Prophet ﷺ used to make this dua. لَبَّيْك means I'm here at your service. What do you want me to do? I'm here at your service. I'm here at your service. Was Sa'adik? Sa'adik is asking for Isa'adan ba'da Isa'adan. When you look into the you know, explanation, it's, it means asking for to be made happy again and again and again. Oh Allah, make me happy again, again and again. So, Labbaik was Sa'adik. Al khayru kulhu fiyadik. All of goodness is in, is in your hands. You possess all goodness. Was sharru laysa ilayk. And evil is not attributed to you. Yes, Allah Ta'ala gives permission. Allah Ta'ala allows for evil to happen. However, He does not create something that is in and of itself evil. He does not, he is, Allah is Al-Barr, the source of all goodness. He is, does not create something with the purpose of being evil. So then the question is, why is there so much evil on the earth? Because Allah gave free will. So, when Allah made the Mala'ika, and the Mala'ika can only do good, that is good. Because, you know, there's no evil involved. They are good, their creation is good. Their choices are good. They have no ability to do evil, so everything they do is good. And they worship Allah perfectly, etc. When Allah created humans, He said, I'm going to give you free will. Free will in and of itself is a good thing. Why is free will in and of itself a good thing? Because then when you submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's even better than when the malaika do it. Because the malaika had no choice. But when you who has a choice make sajda to Allah ta'ala, it is more powerful. When you who have a choice turn away from evil and turn towards good, that is more powerful because you had the choice. 
So in and of itself, this is why uh, when uh, Adam was created, Allah said, you angels, you bow down to him. You recognize that he's superior to you. Why? He's going to do, human beings are going to do evil, yes. But the fact that they can choose between good and evil means the good ones, they have a level, a degree that you can never reach. Why? Because your goodness is forced. Your goodness, you have no choice. Their goodness is chosen. They had both options and they chose freely to go towards goodness. SubhanAllah, that puts us at a higher level than the malaika. So, hence... You know, people say, you know, what is it? How can you explain uh, that God allows for evil if He's if God is so good and so powerful? Then, because God has a morally sufficient reason to allow evil. In other words, I can give a, a whole talk about this. And if anybody, if anybody wants to do, I think I mentioned this many times, but I'll, I'll mention it again. Go on YouTube, look up uh, um, why does God allow evil, and look up my name, Nasser Karimian. Why does God allow evil? I have a whole chutbah on this where I detail it a lot. And I mean, I think a lot of people. No matter how many times this, uh, this question is, asked, is answered, people still have it. And sometimes people ask it like, oh, I know you got a lot of answers, but I bet you never heard this one. <laughs> and it's really, it's like, bro, that's the old, since the past 10,000 years, people have been asking this question. You know, if God is all good and God is all powerful, hmm, are you ready? Are you ready? Like, they, you know, why is there evil in the world? And it's like, man, man, this, this has been answered. It's been answered uh, like abundantly. But anyway, khair inshallah, if anybody feels that this is not sufficient of an answer, I gave a whole khutbah on this and hopefully I've answered it from multiple angles. I didn't want to just repeat the whole thing, so I'm just going through it very uh, briefly, inshallah ta'ala. Then the Prophet says what? Ana bika wa ilayk. I am from you and for you. Bika wa ilayk. Subhanallah. I am from you and for you. Tabarakta wa ta'alayt. Uh, uh, um, which means uh, you are blessed and exalted. I seek your forgiveness and I repent to you. Beautiful, beautiful dua. So the question is, does God control us? This is a very uh, common question. If Allah Ta'ala knows our future and knows what we're going to do, right? If my entire life is mapped out before Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, then how do I have free will? And the answer is pretty straightforward. I, I, I think, inshallah ta'ala, hopefully this is a sufficient answer. I want you to imagine, I usually give this analogy with, uh, in sports. I don't know why, I just find it easier that way. So let's say, or maybe it sticks better you know, in people's minds when you use a, a sports analogy. Imagine you watched uh, you know, your favorite uh, 1990s Chicago Bulls game many, many, many times, right? When you know, Jordan won the... The, the, the championship, etc. One of these championships, you watched it so many times that you've basically memorized all the moves that he's done, right? Back in the 90s when he was at his prime and he, you know, he, he did a fadeaway like this and he did a crossover like that. Whatever the case is, you know exactly every single movement because you've watched that game over and over and over again. Then they invent a time machine. And now that they've invented a time machine, you jump into the time machine, go back in time, you sit way up in the back, and you get to watch live your favorite basketball player do the most amazing moves, Right? So imagine this scenario. So now you're sitting back and you're watching him. And you can predict. You can predict every single thing he's going to do. Because you've watched it a thousand times over, but now you've went back in time, and now you're watching him. My question is, are you controlling his movements? I got one no. I got two no's. No, right? Did you understand the question? You look confused. <laughs> He's like, oh, time travel, I don't like it. That's <laughs> okay. I know, it's a theoretical. The point is, even if you know what a person is going to do, right, and you can watch and predict every, every single thing that you're going to, they're going to do, that doesn't mean that you're controlling them. You can have knowledge of what they're going to do, but they still maintain their free will. That's the idea. Okay? That's the whole point. So if I watch that game, 
right? I watched it over, a rerun over and over and over again, and I memorized exactly what this basketball player is going to do a thousand times over, and I memorized his, his moves, and then I go back in time and I'm watching it live, then the whole idea is that he still is a person with free will. He's still choosing to cross over. He's still cho choosing to make a fadeaway. It's his decisions. Just because I'm watching him doesn't mean I've robbed him of his free will. I just know what he's going to do. I haven't, I'm not, control, I'm not a puppeteer. I'm not, I'm not controlling him and, and, and uh, forcing him to do anything. So the whole idea is basically that we as human beings, Allah Ta'ala gave us a ruh. Allah gave us free will. We are making our own decisions. Yes, Allah Ta'ala is fully aware of what decisions we'll make. But that does not mean that He enforced those decisions. So, I mean, we could go into this, this, this question a lot more, in a lot more depth. But I think inshallah ta'ala, just as a brief idea, as a sort of mental exercise, I hope that helps. Furthermore, uh, it's important to recognize uh, uh, that if God did not allow for evil, if God forced everything to be good, then there it would be impossible for us to do things that require evil. Like, for example, bravery is a virtue, right? Bravery is, you know, a shuja'ah, right? Being brave is something that is virtuous in the eyes of Allah Ta'ala. How can you be brave in a scenario where there's no threat? How can you be charitable if there is no want or need or poverty? If everybody's comfortable, you can't give charity. I don't need anything. Why, why would you give me anything? I'm fine, right? If there's no threat, how can you stand up against evil and be brave? If there are no hardships, how can you show patience? And I gave a whole talk about this, as it's in the, it's in the, the, the lecture online, like I, I mentioned. But basically, and, and it's amazing that when it comes to all these different virtues, whether it be patience or charity or bravery or whatever, Allah Ta'ala always says, Wallahu yuhibbu. Allah loves those who, as-sabirin, let's say. Allah loves those who resist evil and overcome it with good. So subhanAllah, these are all the people that Allah love, right? The one who overcomes an evil and overrides it with good, you know, overcomes, let's say, hardship and shows so much patience, overcomes, let's say, uh, uh, tyranny and evil and shows bravery, puts his life on the line. Allah loves these types, these types of people. Over and over again, Allah mentions that he loves these types of people. So subhanAllah, why did Allah create evil? So that we can do things that Allah Ta'ala would absolutely love. I'm going to give, it, it, really think about it from this perspective. Is it evil when the teacher gives you an exam and gives you a multiple choice exam and there's, let's say, A, B, C, D, three of them are wrong, one of them's right? Technically, the wrong ones are supposed to trick you, right? So there's evil on that exam. But then again, if all the answers were correct, it wouldn't be a test. Everybody understands that? What, what type of a test is it if A, B, C, and D are all right answers? Everybody, it doesn't matter, everybody gets 100 on the exam. There's no virtue in that. There's nothing good about that. What, Allah Ta'ala puts us in a test because He allows for evil, and then we can actually show how good we are, and hence we can, inshallah Ta'ala, get ajr for it. And also, what are the benefits of belief in qadr? You are free of shirk. You don't have shirk with anything else because you know Allah controls everything. You're free of arrogance. Why? Because why would I be arrogant and proud when I know Allah controls everything? You have full tawakkul on Allah and reliance upon Allah. You accept your circumstances and you have peace of mind. It creates courage because you know if I die, it's written. If I get injured, it's written. So you become more courageous. And finally, uh, uh, knowing uh, that what it, you also know finally that whatever happened could not have missed you. So let's say you're going through a hardship and you keep telling yourself, why did I make that investment? Or why did I go on that, uh, I don't know, why did I play that sport and hurt my leg? Or whatever the case is, and you keep telling yourself, why, why, why did I do that? You have to tell yourself, this was qadr. Allah had written it. It was going to happen whether, whether, no matter what. So I accept Allah's uh, a decree and I, 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 I trust in Allah that it's good for me and that I can benefit from it and learn from it. Khalas, that's the end of it. 
So khair, inshallah, these are the benefits of Qadr. Next time we will talk about Akhbirni anil ihsan. Tell me about ihsan, inshallah. We'll go into that next week. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.